One of the things that we find if we study the Old Testament and certainly even the New is that God is concerned with some of the big things in life, but also some of the everyday sort of mundane kinds of things in life. God is interested in the way that we treat people. God is interested in how we spend our money, how we treat our bodies, who we have sexual relations with, and even how we talk. In fact, two of the Ten Commandments that we're studying right now in the series that I'm calling True North deal with how we talk. The third, and then we'll get down to the ninth in a few weeks. God is concerned with what we say to one another and even what we say to him. And I want us to think about that a little bit today as we again continue in this series learning how we can find direction from this ancient set of commands that we call the Ten Commandments that, that certainly give us maybe some guidelines for life but also help us set direction according to who God is and what God's expectations are of his people. And so we're finding where we are and finding the direction that God is calling us by studying each of these 10 commandments that we find in Exodus 20. Now, we'll get to Exodus 20 in a few minutes, but I want you to know we're going to skip around a good bit today. You can keep your Bible at Exodus 20 and we'll look there first, but if you want to follow along, you can just look at the screen or you can try to look these up as we go around. The third command that we get to today some of us remember and would quote by saying that God says something about not taking his name in vain. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Some of us that language will resonate with, and maybe that's the way you memorized it as a kid. And when we hear that, I think what comes to mind is, and, and maybe this is the way it was applied in a lot of, for a lot of us, is don't use God's name sort of as an exclamation, right? I mean, if you've hit your finger with a, with a hammer, don't, don't say God's name, all right? And that was sort of the, the beginning and the end of our understanding of that. I heard recently about a writer who submitted a manuscript to a Christian publisher and used the word golly, okay? And the publisher wrote back and said, that word is offensive to Christians and it's going to have to be taken out of the manuscript. Now, my guess is that when I say that, there's a couple of different reactions in the group, okay? Some of you are saying, what's wrong with that word, right? Okay, I mean, I didn't know that you couldn't say golly. I mean, even the beaver said that, right? And surely that's okay. And in fact, if you use the word golly in the workplace tomorrow, your, worker, your coworkers might look at you and go, well, when did you get to be such a goody two-shoes, right? I mean, that's like... An especially good word. In fact, the language where you work might be a little more creative than that sometimes. And golly would be seen as pretty minor. Now, some of you are having a very different reaction to that. Because you may have grown up in a situation where you were not allowed to say that word because it was sort of a slang form, a short form of God's name. Okay, you, weren't, you weren't allowed to say that because it would be just like using the name of God. It represented the same thing, same for the word G, right? And, and that's where I grew up, okay? That, that was my background. We didn't say that. We were not allowed to say that. Both those were bad words, all right? Why? Because of this command. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And if you're, if you're saying golly or gee, you might as well say God's name. And we're not allowed to do that because the Bible clearly says don't take the Lord's name in vain. And that would be a form of taking the Lord's name in vain. Now, as we think of this third command, well, I think that is part of it, okay? I, th I think it's true that we don't want to treat God's name 
flippantly, okay? As though it doesn't matter. As though somehow it's not associated with the God who created us, gave us life, offered his son on a cross for us, and calls us to spend eternity with him. We don't want to use God's name flippantly. But, but is there more to this than just that? Because if God is calling us to set direction, my guess is there's more than just not using his name as an ex exclamation. Although that still is part of it. So what do we see here? Well, I think it helps if we read this. This is from the NIV, and most of the newer translations say it this way. The King James said it, Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Okay, uh, verse 7 in the NIV says it this way. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And there, Lord is all caps, right? That's the proper name for God. We'll come back to that in a minute. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, the, the first part of that command, well, that's pretty straightforward, pretty serious. Don't use, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. But then he adds that second part, for God won't hold you guiltless if you do. Well, that makes it sound pretty serious, doesn't it? So, what does this mean? And the way we've been trying to understand the Ten Commandments is to hear them in their original context as well as we can. It was a long time ago. We are not ancient Israelites, but we can try to understand what God was saying to them through Moses as they heard the Ten Commandments for the first time. And then we're taking, okay, that's what they heard. How does that apply to 21st century followers of Jesus Christ? Okay, so that's what I want us to do today. What did this mean originally? What was God saying to his people? What's the difference between you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God or don't take God's name in vain? This translation that I read really is closer to the original. So what is God trying to say? Well, names are important, aren't they? Names were important then, and names are important today. What happens if someone comes up to you, seems like a total stranger, okay, and they call you by name? What's the first thing you want to say? Well, how, how did you know my name? Or how do we know each other? Right? It, it's weird when someone you don't know uses your name because it implies that they know you, that they know something about you, that there's a relationship there. And the same was true in the ancient world. In fact, it went even further than that. When you called on the name of a god, there was a sense that you knew that god. You were invoking that god's name. And that said something special about your relationship with that god. And in fact, sometimes the names of gods were closely guarded secrets because you didn't want your enemy to find out the name of your God because then they could invoke the name of your God and call down punishment on you. So you sort of held that close. You weren't going to talk about the name of your God. There was a sense in which you could call on your God if you knew that God's name. And so when we begin to think about misusing the name of God, it was this sense of control that's certainly part of it. And we've talked about that in each of these first three commands, that one of the things that the people of Israel and sometimes we get in trouble with is when we think we can control God. And clearly here, when God says, don't misuse my name because if you do, I won't forget it. God's saying, you're not in control. I'm in control. I'm in control. 
You can call on my name, but you don't get to control me. You don't get to tell me what to do just because you know my name. Now, it goes even further than this. One of the formative events in the history of the people of Israel occurs in Exodus chapter 3. And, and we need to turn there this morning because it's an important passage. In this passage, God is calling Moses. People of Israel are in Egypt and they are enslaved and God is calling Moses to lead his people out of slavery. He's going to speak to these people. Incredible things are going to be done and he's going to take them out of Egypt and lead them to the land that God had promised them. And Moses has some questions about that plan, okay? He is not sure the people are going to listen to him and so he says this in Exodus chapter 3 verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Well, that's an interesting question. Well, isn't he just like God? I mean, the same God that spoke to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the forefathers. Why do they need a name? He's just, he's just God, right? We have this generic term God, and God doesn't need a special name, but, but Moses is concerned that if the people don't know the name of God, they're not going to follow God. They have to know the name. They have to know the God that they're serving, the God that they're going to obey, the God that they're going to follow out of Egypt and into the promised land. What's God's response? This was a key for the whole history of Israel. Verse 14, God said to Moses, and you see this on the screen, it's not, but if you look in your Bible, it is all caps. I am who I am. All capital letters. This is what you're saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, again, all capital letters, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. In that passage, God reveals his name to the people of Israel. We see it in all caps there, I am or the Lord, and all the way through the Old Testament, if you see Lord capitalized, it is God's proper name, okay? And it's represented by four Hebrew letters. Remember when the Hebrews wrote their words down, they didn't include any vowels, so it's four consonants, Y-H-W-H. I think we got that on the screen, if we can get that, Don. And then we pronounce it Yahweh. There we go. It's all caps, I am, or all caps, the Lord, then it's Yahweh, those four letters. Sometimes we've said Jehovah in English, but that's probably a corruption of how it was originally pronounced. So it's Yahweh, the Lord. And it just simply means, I am. Okay? Now, the other gods would have all kinds of names. Sort of names like Bill or Jim or Mary, okay? But, that, but they would be gods of what? Gods of the sea. God of the sun, God of the moon. Well, this is not the kind of God that has that. God's not a God of a city. God's not a God that can be contained by a family. God just is. And he stands above all of creation and he stands above all time and all of humanity as God, just the God who is. And his name is Yahweh. And because the people knew who God was, this one God who stood above all others, 
they could follow him. And so all the way through the Old Testament, when we see this word Lord capitalized, it is this proper name for God. And when the Israelites heard God say, don't misuse my name, they took it really seriously. And in fact, they would never even speak this name because they didn't want to misuse it. And so they substituted other words for God in place of Yahweh so they didn't misuse the name of the Lord. By invoking this God's name, they began to think they could make God act, and that's exactly what God didn't want. That was a misuse of God's name. Names matter. Names matter throughout the Old Testament. But there's more than this. It's not just a negative command, in fact. As we look through the Old Testament, we find out that names are used in powerful ways, especially the name of God. And that part of the job of Israel was to bring glory to the name of God. And so it's not really just don't misuse the name of God. It, it means, okay, well, how do we use it correctly? And for the people of Israel, there were several important ways that they could use the name of God correctly. And part of it was worship. To raise the reputation of the one God that was I am. That was part of what they were called to do. And so we see some passages in the Old Testament that point us to this. We could turn over to Psalm chapter or Psalm 113, verses 2 through 4. Listen to what this says. The psalmist says, Let the name of the Lord be praised. Not just let the Lord be praised, but the name of the Lord. Why? Because the name stands for God. So in worship, let Yahweh, again, all caps there, be praised both now and forevermore from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord Yahweh is exalted over the nations, his glory above the heavens. And so the people of Israel, if they were to use the name of the Lord correctly, their responsibility was to praise him. To note what God has done. We've talked about in this series already that part of what praise was about and part of what knowing God was about in the Old Testament was sort of telling what God had done. The way they knew God was to talk about what God had done. And God had created. And God had released them from slavery. And God had given them a promised land. God had made them a people. And then when they got into trouble, God would deliver them as a people. And so part of their responsibility in using the name of Yahweh correctly was to bring praise, to raise the reputation of this God. We could turn over to Psalm 96. Because it's not just for the people of Israel. Listen to how this psalm speaks. Say among the nations, the Lord Yahweh reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound, and all that is in it. That first line, say among the nations. You see, God was ultimately not just the God of Israel. Yahweh was not just the God of the people that he brought out of slavery and took into the promised land. Ultimately, God is the God of all nations. God is the God of even Gentiles, us. So looking forward to what Jesus would do to be the God of all people. And so part of the job of the Israelites was also to speak the power and glory of the name of Yahweh even to the nations. And so when it says don't misuse the name of the Lord, it's not just about 
using God's name as an exclamation when you're angry or hurt or upset or maybe even when something good has happened. But speaking God's name in intentional ways to bring him glory. And that really is the message. Use God's name for God things. Use God's name the way the people of Israel did, to speak of the glory of God, to raise the reputation of the name of God, or to speak God's power and glory even to the nations, the people who didn't know God. To use God's name in the powerful ways that really point to who God is. Intentionally. Not just as a throwaway word that we fill in where, man, other words would do just as well and wouldn't lower what we understand God's name to be. Use God's name for God things. Now, if that's what it meant to the people of Israel, what does it mean for us? Thousands of years later, how does this command that we find in the Ten Commandments, the third of these, speak to us? Well, the New Testament sort of tells us that as well. We could turn over and we've spent time in this great hymn that we find in Philippians chapter 2 that Paul either wrote for the early church or maybe someone else did and Paul is quoting it. And we find these words in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. He's talking about Jesus and he says this, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him what? The name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what's Paul saying? He's taking this Old Testament language of the name of Yahweh and bringing it over and applying it to Jesus and saying, there is no name that is greater than Yahweh. And he's putting the name of Jesus alongside it because Jesus is God. And at the name of Jesus, all the knees of the Jews would bow. No. Every knee would bow. Every human being eventually bows to Jesus because he is Lord. So that gives us responsibility, doesn't it? To use God's name for God things. It's about lifting up the reputation of the name of God, the name of Jesus, so that God's name, or Jesus' name, are not exclamations for us, are not words to, to throw away when something upsets us, but are names that we lift up when God is at work in powerful ways in our lives, when God does something meaningful for us or for our family, so that we are pointing people to God. Now to me that's the key right there. If we want the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with the people around us, if we want to point people to the name that is above every name, what we say about that God, what we say about the name of God matters. Because we're either going to lift up the name of God or we're going to tear down the name of God. And we all do some of both by what we say and what we do. We say flippant things about God and sort of make promises in the name of God that, wow, if we're not careful, they don't really mesh with Scripture. And we say things to people that are hurtful, and they know that we're followers of this God, that we're followers of Jesus. And so we bring down the reputation 
of the name of God. But when we show people that we are a church and we are followers of Jesus who love God and love others, we lift up the name of God. We lift up the name of Jesus. And so let me encourage you to think about this week. Think about as you speak. When you utter the name of God, when you utter the name of the Lord, when you utter the name of Jesus, are you using God's name for God things? Or is it a throwaway word? Are you raising the reputation of the name of God? Or would people say you're pushing it down? Use God's name for God things. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We love your name. We love the fact that we are called together in the name of Jesus, that we are called by his name. So God, we pray that you'll be with us today and be with us this week as we speak to our families and speak to other people this name that is above every name. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the name of Jesus because it's Jesus that died on the cross for our sins and offers us forgiveness, was buried and was raised on the third day, and through that resurrection offers us eternal life. If you're ready to respond to that name, we invite you to do that. Come forward. Let us know. And we'd love to see you baptized into Christ. Or maybe you want to serve with us as a member of this church. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing today.